Aren't you glad for that? Amen. I am ready for some preaching. How about you? Got your Bibles? Let's welcome Brother Brown back with us tonight. Good to have him back again this year. Let's welcome him back. All right. What a joy and a thrill to spend a Monday night in the house of God. This beats Monday night football. This beats Monday night family brawl. This beats all of it. I'm glad to be in church, glad to hear a choir sing unafraid. Somebody's going to hear them. I'm telling you, we have a song to sing. And the joy of the Lord has put someone in us, not something. He's put someone in us. And we have every reason to cut up uh-huh, and act different about our commitment to God. I'm glad to be back with you and appreciate you coming and being with us tonight. I want you to take your Bible, if you will, and turn it to the book of Mark. The book of Mark, chapter number 8. Uh, if it would be all right, preacher, I'll, I'll start off looking all right, but I ain't going to end up looking real good because I, I personally feel like that a tie is demonic. I mean, that's just a personal conviction. I don't ask you to feel that way. Uh, you can go ahead and... Uh, wear yours, that's fine, but uh, I'm going to disrobe of mine because it, it just bothers my ability to preach. So I always start out with one, but I hardly ever end up with one. But I'm not going any further than the tie, all right? So just let your heart fall. Go to the 8th chapter of the book of, of Mark. And look at verse number 23. Well, let's see. 22. And stand up with me, if you will, please, for the reading of God's Word. All of you folks here tonight that are from other churches, and you might be here tonight, a preacher from another ministry or whatever, we sure do uh, welcome you, and we're glad to have you. And I hope you'll feel the infirmity of the evangelist and help him out and encourage him with a, I'll give you $20 for 10 hallelujahs, all right? Oh, somebody broke right there. And he ain't no pastor either. He's just trying to get in the money mill. All right. Look at verse... Uh, we, we're glad you're here. We thank you for coming. We appreciate you much. And he cometh to Bethsaida, and they bring a blind man unto him. No better place to take your problem than to the Lord. Can I get a witness? Oh yeah. They brought the blind man. Why'd they bring the blind man to the Lord? Because he's the only hope that hopelessness has. All kinds of counseling, all kinds of clinical help, all kinds of professional input is all right. But it is not the ultimate solution. If you don't get... I found out something about life. If you don't get Jesus... Here's a Tennessee uh, phrase. Smack dab. <laughs> In the middle of the situation, it's never going to change. 
Notice what he said. And besought him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of town. Now that's a strange thing. He didn't do that anywhere else. He, he touched deaf ears where deaf ears met him. Blind eyes where blind eyes met him. A feeble limbs where feeble limbs met him. But he moved this guy and took him somewhere else. Notice. He took him by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had spit, mm-hmm, where I come from, a fight just broke out. <laughs> you, you, you say you don't see who's spitting. It don't make no difference where I come from. You go to spitting in a man's face, you better be, you better be ranked among the number one or number two killer in the country. Goes on to say he spit on his eyes and put his hands upon him and asked him if he saw aught or what do you see? And he looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. In other words, his vision was blurred. He saw men and their arms looked like limbs. And these men were as trees walking. After that, he put his hands again upon his eyes and made him look up. And he was, there's a wonderful word, restored. That means 20, 20, honey, anywhere you go to church. Restored. And so every man... Not as trees walking, but clearly. I can see clearly now, he said. And he sent him away to his house saying, Neither go into the town nor tell it to any in the town. Go back to verse number 25. After that he put his hands on him, Again. This is not much of a sermon. I got it in the bathtub. I didn't hear no tape. I wasn't inspired in church. I wasn't having devotions. I was just in bubble bath about that deep. And the Lord spoke to my heart. He something at me. He'll get with you about anywhere you are. And He said... I need, and this is what I'm going to talk to you for a few minutes about, I need to touch you again. You saw all right. Your vision was okay. It was, past tense, pretty good. But now, you're out of focus. You can have a seat. Have you found out that much of your Christian life is God doing something for you again? God saves a man and focuses that man in on himself. And there is nobody who has the sight, nobody who has the vision, and nobody who has the enthusiasm like a brand new convert does. 
I'm telling you, down at the house, they just get wired for 220. They get crazy as a bed bug down there when they get saved. I mean, they just, most of mine come out of drugs and or out of prostitution and out of gambling and playing the fool. And, and when God touches them and God blesses them and God, in, here's a good word, invades them. I mean, takes over. You say, I don't know nothing about that kind of temperament. You let him take over, and I guarantee you, you'll start acting different than you was acting before he took over. Mm, That's good preaching if I am doing it. I have found out in my Christian life, it is a constant, consistent revival. I did not understand that when I got saved. I thought when I got saved that what the Lord done for me was absolutely concrete. And what God done for me, it was just going to be jubilee every day. It didn't take but about three days to go by. And I found out real quick, there was another God involved in my salvation, and that was Satan. He did not come to give it to me. He came to torment me because of it. But greater, oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Greater is He. Now, this is not Reader's Digest. This is King James Bible. Greater is He that is in me than He that opposes me in the world. He said, Jesus touched him. And he said, what do you see? He said, I see men walking around look like bushes and trees. And then the Bible says, and when he laid his hands on him again, he was restored. Not back to the place of seeing bushy visions or or tree limbs, but he was restored as he should have been. Is that not why your preacher has declared these three nights or so, declared them as, Lord, touch us again. I want you to notice something about the touch of the Lord in this story. Number one, he separated the one he touched. Now let me say it again. He separated the one he touched. The Bible says he took him by the hand and moved him to the city limits. Moved him to the suburbs. Moved him outside of town and touched him in a different place than where he found him. Now, when I read that, I thought, Lord, what are you trying to say to me? Why is that in there? I never have seen that. He separated it. And you know what the Lord said back to me? He said, sometimes I cannot give anointing and vision to somebody where they lost it. I've got to move them from where they lost it before they can ever find it. 
good God again. Why else would he have moved? Well, you say the people in town didn't deserve to see a miracle. Maybe so. You say, why did he move him outside of town? Maybe he was more comfortable outside of town. Maybe so. But I think I've got just as much right to include this interpretation of this. I think that somewhere in there, you have got to say that he moved him from the influence of environment so that he could fill him with something brand new and something life changing. Now, if we don't go no further than right there, bless God, amen, that is worth coming for. (laughs) Let me say this. You may be tonight hanging around some town folk. (laughs) Some town folk that God can't do nothing with you as long as you're with those City folk. (laughs) And the Lord, to do what He needs to do for you, He may have to break up something. That little gal you're messing around with has now taken the spotlight. Mm -hmm, I'm in a Baptist church. I don't know nothing about Catholics, but I know something about Baptists. They date, mate, and associate at church. Ain't nothing wrong with having a social life in the house of God. Matter of fact, I think hobnobbing with Christians is the best hobnobbing you can do. But you've got to step up from hobnobbing to getting in God's presence. And when you get into God's presence, sometimes He'll move you from your hobnobbing. One time in my life when I was 25, 24 and a half, I was pastoring the only other church I've ever pastored. I've been 31 plus years in the one I'm in now, and I had just soon croak in this one. And they are about to see to it. They're helping me along. I had a full head of hair. I was a hunk before I started out with them people. And now I'm just a chunk. I can't find my hair. Before they got a hold of me, another group had a hold on me. And I have never seen a wilder crowd since, before, since. There was 28 of them when they called me, and 18 of them was deacons. <laughs> Active deacons. God is my witness, what I'm telling you is the truth. Had church conference every other Sunday night <laughs> to make sure that I was watched over, kept in line, and uh, looked after with scrutiny and close vision. I mean, it was a knock-down, drag-out every 
time they had a conference. I wasn't permitted to vote. I didn't even think for a while I was going to be permitted to attend the conference. I was not asked to vote. I, or I was asked not to vote. And I was also asked never to come in on the floor in new or old business. I was just a kid in the convention. I didn't know nothing. I just got out of school, went to an interdenominational fellowship as far as over at Tacoa Falls. They were solid and fundamental in doctrine, but they weren't Baptist and the policies of that group I didn't know. And mister, I was just a piece of fresh meat to those folks. And I started begging God. I said, Lord, I want you to touch me. God, I want to know something about your anointing. That verse comes to mind that says, They that hunger and thirst, that's all you've got to have to have God to to feed you and God to quench you. It's to have a thirst for the Almighty and a hunger for what He is about. They that hunger and thirst after rightness or righteousness or anointing. The Bible says, they shall be filled. We don't hunger. We need God to touch us in our appetite again. I'm going to give you a chance in a little while to come to the altar and kneel down and say, Lord, give me an appetite. Work up a thirst in me, God. I pray one more time you would be the quenching force. And factor in my heart. And I began to get that way. God began to stir in my heart and show me I was empty. He began to show me. I needed my water turned into wine. I needed my pot touched by supernatural intervention. And I began to cry out on God and call out on Him and believe Him with all my heart. And the Lord began to shut down my burden for the place. Somebody says, Preacher, how do you know when God's through with you? God ain't never been through with you. Or you would know it. When, how do you know a fan blade quits turning when you yank the plug out the wall? Or turn the switch off and there ain't no juice turning the motor. And God pulled the plug on me. I began to hate to go to work. Just a kid now. Enthused about a church calling me. But that's no reason to go to one. Enthusiasm is... A motivating emotion. And it's just like rubber crutches. They'll let you down in the middle of the highway of life. And emotions will too. (laughs) And I was enthused. Somebody wanted me. I didn't know why they wanted me. But I found out later. (laughs) They wanted somebody that was ignorant and didn't know no better that they could command 
and connive and shipwreck. And the Lord began to work in my life. And He began to move on me for that anointing. And I said, Lord, why are you hesitant? Lord, why are you not moving? God, why do I have this hunger for you and a less hunger for this? I didn't know one thing, and I never heard much of what God said. I didn't know how to listen to God, really. Back then, I didn't even know if He was speaking or if He wasn't. But all of a sudden, I'm glad God knows how to take our ignorant behavior and turn it into wisdom. (laughs) Yeah. He'll take what you don't know and do what He does know, even though you don't know what He does. Now, I wish I could say that again. you got to listen the first time. I don't have many original thoughts, and they go so quick, I can't say it again. And I said, why do I hunger for you and you're anointed? Those people, when I preach, I mean, they They hadn't gone to sleep. They hadn't gone to bed. They brought everything but a quilt and a, 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 a pillow. And I think if I'd have stayed another year, they'd have brought the whole mattress. And I was preaching with, with God in the situation and God's Word and preaching with enthusiasm. And they were just looking at me and shaking Mickey and wondering, how long will this fool continue to be one? And one day... The Lord took me by the hand and He separated me. He pulled me from where I was losing my power, pulled me from where I was losing my vision. Had I stayed there much longer, I probably would have had no vision. He pulled me out away from that situation and circumstance and gave me a fresh sighting. (laughs) Now, I stayed there three years. I've been where I am 31 and a half years. (laughs) The vision I picked up because I thought I was good material for them to call. Didn't last near as long as the anointed vision that God put in me by the power of His own anointing. Let me ask you a question. Do you want God to touch you again? (laughs) Do you want the Lord to renew your shout? Some of you have let normal life circumstances steal your shout. And you're not bad people. Normal life circumstances can steal anybody's joy. But it don't have to stay stolen. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You need to be taken 
by the hand and led out of your depression. Led out of your environment. Led out of your difficulty. Led out of your impossibility. Led outside of your depravity. And outside of all the problems you're having. And get your mind on who's got you by the hand. Not what's got you by the eyes. And ask God, touch me again. Some of us are in relationships. I don't know you from Adam. So, and your preacher is not a talker. He and I don't get on the telephone and discuss your spiritual chart. If he told me tonight not to preach something, I'd preach it for two hours. If he told me to preach something, I wouldn't even come close to it. Because he's not the kind that'll do that. And I didn't come in here tonight and ask all about your faults and fallacies so I could fix you in three days. I didn't come here to do that. I came here to tell you tonight, God wants to touch us again. Some of us see our joy like men-figured trees and it's foggy and unfocused where we used to have real enthusiasm, where we used to have real joy. We've let some mouth, we've let some circumstance, we've let some gossip, we've let some problem We've let the lack of finances, we've let a physical need, a physical burden. Hey, I don't care how sick and crippled up and broke up you get outside. Jesus has got enough on the inside to make a difference on every side. Somebody say, Amen, please. But God may not anoint you until you first take me by the hand, put me where you can get my attention and change and challenge me so that I can once again see clearly. There's something else he did in the story. Not only did he separate him, But the second thing he did, he shocked him. You say, how did he shock him? (laughs) Would you not say that that is a shocking act? He's... (laughs) Ain't he something? He just up. I mean, I just soon here walked up me and pow, just slapped my face. I, 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 I would have been stunned and, and, and I'd have been rocked back on my heels. But, 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 don't, 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 don't just. Don't. You say, read us another version. <laughs> no, 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 no. We keep in our version. It says spit. <laughs> With an S about that high. 
He spit in his face. There is not one iota of response from the spitty. The spitter is in complete control of the spitty. And the spitty doesn't even, you don't have one ounce of Bible that he flinched. Because it don't say he moved. God in the flesh spit in this blind man. Now, you know, I'm sure this is not the worst thing that ever happened to this man being blind. Because being blind, he would beg for his breakfast, beg for his lunch, he'd beg for his supper. He, he had to beg, and you know somebody walked up to him and kicked him, or somebody walked up to him and spit on him, or somebody walked up and cursed him, or aggravated him, or mocked him. But I don't know if anybody ever spit right in his face. But I know this shocked him. Now, he's blind. He couldn't see what he was about to do or he could have ducked. How many of you would have went into the ducking mood? Don't you go to spit on me and I know you're fixing to spit. I mean, you just getting a spit up. I'm going to be either ducking or popping or popping and ducking. I don't know exactly what I'm going to do first. Pop and duck, duck or pop. It don't matter. We got duck and pop going on. But he's blind. He's helpless. He's maimed. He's handicapped without a parking place. And God spit in his eye. Let me ask you a question. <laughs> Reckon why nothing said about what he'd done. Maybe it's because he'd done nothing. But had he have reacted in the wrong way, the Holy Ghost told me, he would have died half blind. But he did not let how God operated. It shocked him, but it didn't stop him. It shocked him, but it didn't stop him. He figured, I cannot see, but I've heard what this spitting evangelist can do. Though he's acting awful weird on this particular evangelism crusade. Let's keep our mouths shut and wait and see what he can do. Because whatever comes out of his mouth will take care of what's got me. Messed up. God Almighty will not usually bless you with vision and revival and anointing by the way of normality. He said, my ways are not your ways. Nor is my fault like your. 
you don't think, you can't even think what I'm about to do. Because about the time you think you got God thought out, He'll do something absolutely crazy. He'll spit on you. Somebody's in here tonight confused about your relationship. You're confused about what's going on. You don't know what in the world's going on. You ain't got to wonder about it in your blind state. Just stand there and hush. But I promise you this. If I know anything about that Nazarene, it ain't good English, but it's true. And in Tennessee, it may be good English. (laughs) He ain't never made no mistake And He loves you too much to hurt you. And He's going to see to it that the touch He gives you is going to get you back again in touch with Him. Good, gracious, alive, I feel the Holy Ghost in the place. I got saved on the third Sunday night of September, 1968. That was a shock. I left work on Friday a cussing, joke-telling, drunk, a fool. I know none of you know what that's about, but look some of those words up in the dictionary and you can define me before Jesus found me. Uh, A drunkard's son, uh, a drunkard's offspring, raised without a Bible on the coffee table, much less any preaching in our household. I never went inside a church till I was 15 years old and went four times to play softball and found out that the people on the softball team was in worse shape than I was. God, you go around seconds, you might just hear anything said in center field. And I thought them church folks, you know, they wore crosses and they they hit the ball with King James Bibles. And and I thought surely they would kneel down and pray at first if they got a single. But oh no, they would kneel down and call you something that a sailor wouldn't call you. So I didn't see any real reason to want to become like them because I'd I'd have had to get worse to equal them. Yeah. Sixty-one days later, I'm in a meeting, minding my own business. I hate to tell you this, but it wasn't no independent Baptist church. I don't know if I could have got called to preach in one around our house. I was in an Assembly of God camp meeting. And an independent Baptist preacher that I loved was preaching in it. In Soperton, Georgia. You know Ed McAbee? He was preaching that night. Old gravel throat preacher, bless God. I'll tell you right now. He knew how to shift the gears and pull the coals to the covering. He was a wind-sucking baby. I can tell y'all know from whence I speak. Bless God. I would watch him and sweat. 
he was preaching that night. I never will forget it. He come out of that pulpit 75 miles an hour. He jumped up on that front pew, not on that one, on the back of it, and started walking on them, looking straight up and walking and talking as if God was sitting on his shoulder. I said, Lord, he don't even know the distance between them seats. And he's steady walking. He walked right across the top of my head. When he went across the top of me, he got to the last one. He wheeled around and hollered glory to God and came back down the same way. I mean, just walking and talking to God. When he went across the top of me, he said, Somebody in this place tonight, God is calling to preach. I said, God help him. He going to get stomped or stepped on. Now, I've, I've been in a, little, in a little Southern Baptist church. You could hear mice having conversation in the building out back. <laughs> Ain't nobody shouting in that place. No, 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 no. If somebody shouted it out, they'd all, whoo, boom, <laughs> fell out. But he's in a church of God. And these people are hollering and screaming and jumping up and down and I run. I mean, running, running. I'm in there. He come back to the front. I'll never forget it. He wheeled around. His hair was down his face. He throwed it back and he said, "I said, called to preach." And he laid that fifty foot arm right on the end of my back. You know. Huh. No. The first thing that hit me, if I was to do that, I ain't walking on no pews if I ain't looking at them. <laughs> Number two, my hair is way too short to look and act like him. And number three, I'm just as happy doing what I'm doing right now. I don't want to scream and holler. And, I ain't even built emotionally nor physically. I can't do that. During the invitation, he, he stood everybody up. He had an overcoat on, buttoned up, and he stood in that pulpit. In the name of Jesus, he hollered, I'll not dismiss this crowd until you come. Don't nobody move nor leave. God will kill you. Son, ain't nobody sneeze. That old man was heart serious. He said, I mean, people started Flooding to the aisles. Flooding to the altars. God was beating me inside of my chest. My heart was... And I thought, I just got saved. I just got sober. I just gave my cards away. I just left the... I didn't even know you could get your check cash in the bank. I thought you had to go to a liquor store to get your check cash. I just started going to the bank. Surely, I must need saving again. Because the first time, 
I remember feeling that feeling. When I was about to die. Any of you remember that? When conviction got on you so bad it wouldn't get off. If you ain't felt that and sensed that and understood that, that's a problem. Don't die. Yet. Live on. Because sitting in pews don't make you a Christian no more than standing in a garage makes you a fool. And I said, and before I knew it, I said, now, walking out, wasn't nowhere to get. I got right here. And a very healthy person came behind me and tripped and grabbed, to, to grab on me and push me up under the Lord's supper table. One of them old ones, not one of these... New ones. One of them old ones that had a board on the bottom. Folded me up in it, I'm talking about. And they're praying and, and a shouting and a hollering and a screaming. And I'm down there saying, Lord, I don't even know why I'm here. I have no earthly idea. I do know this. I have been self-imposed. In my position, about that time, that evangelist came down where they was, moved people out, reached down under that table, grabbed me by my face, and drug me by my head up to where he could get in my face. He said, boy! Is God dealing with you? He said, don't you lie to me. He told me he was. I said, oh. yes, Lord. I said, he said, what's he telling you? I said, oh, He said, now you're lying. He's calling you and has been. And tonight... Is your night of appointment. He said, Will you? If he calls you, will you preach? All of a sudden, something came on me. I ain't spoken no tongue. I ain't prophesied. I ain't seen two angels in a mini dress. I ain't seen none of them. None of that. Something touched me. Something came on me. Something moved in my life. He said, will you? I said, reluctantly, but because I wanted my face back. Yes, sir. I will. He pulled me to him. He hugged me. He said, God has anointed you for the rest of your life to see clearly what he 
wants to show you. Now, I said that to say this. I ain't went down there looking for no God to help me see clearly. I just went down there to hear a sermon. I just went down there to fellowship. I just went down there because my preacher asked me to go with him. I just went down there because I saved. I wasn't really looking for him to... But I've had spit on my face for 38 years. Because something came out of his mouth and touched my blind vision. And praise God, I'd like to, I ain't going to walk on the pews, man. But praise God, I can say, I can see clearly now. Somebody give the Lord a praise. And Everybody won't like it. You mean to tell me you're one of them spit on people? You think you're something. Oh, no. No. I don't think of myself to be nothing except one he spit on. Wasn't looking for it. Wasn't longing for it. Didn't come for it. He shocked me. When he took me, I felt like saying, has it come to this? You can't find nobody else. You must be fishing at the bottom of a dry bucket. But I'd like to announce to you that what Jesus shocks, Jesus fills and uses. And then, I ain't got nothing for this last one. Maybe somebody has, and you can jump up and finish it. <laughs> he sighted him. He separated him. We can't do it here. <laughs> These folks wouldn't understand. We can't do it here. If I was to anoint you, you'd lose it. Come on. And he moved him. Never done it anywhere else. Something bad wrong with the people he left behind. And he took him outside of town and said, now, you can keep it here. He told him, don't go back in that town and don't tell them what happened to you. Because they didn't have the spirituality to discern a God-touched experience. Don't be that kind of church. Be the kind God can move within. Yes, amen. Not has to bypass people because of opinions. And then he shocked him. Spit right on him. God couldn't have shocked me anymore that night if he had a spit in my face. And then he sighted him. He said, what do you see? He said he laid his hands on him and touched him again. And he said, now what do you see? He said, I see clearly. (laughs) I'd like to announce tonight, praise God, if your sight is blurry tonight and blurred tonight because of 
What is the word? Here it is. Interference. An object. Something fly. Don't you hate a gnat fly in your eye? Oh, Lord, goodness. I take a pistol and shoot him out. Amen. I, I can't stand a, a, a gnat in my face, much less in my eye. And then he get on the backside of it. You'd have to shoot him from right there to kill him. It's awful. Don't you hate it when something gets in your eye and you just have to go around? And you know how you're going to get him out? You've got to wash him. You just got to let water run on it. And water run on it. And all of a sudden, when you do get him out, it's a little while before you can see, but after a little while, you're sighted again. You know what's happened? Some gnats has flown up in your face and stolen your enthusiasm, your joy, your love. Remember? I quit now. I'm done. Remember when you used to come in here? And, and maybe you still do, but not everybody is. And the Monday Night Crowd at Revival is probably a pretty good bunch of people. But I didn't know we came to be pretty good. I thought we came to be touched again. And ain't a pretty good person in here don't need a better touch. Son, you can sing well. Excellent. Now those ladies made you look good. They was better looking than you. I got to give you that now. You got to be honest with me. Look right here. The carpet's still down there. Right here. Right here. Yeah, you got talent. You can sing. But every once in a while you sing a song and then you don't sense it to go over. And then before, before you, you, you might not ask him because you knew it, you know. I knew the song so I didn't ask him to help me. But he lets you stand there by yourself and sing. Then the next time you sing it, you oh, God, help! And then you stand up, and he touches you. You see, again, every time you do it again, you need his, his touch on your life. I'm going to tell you the downfall of your young experience. Getting to where you think you can do it because you've done it before. That's every singer's downfall. And it's every preacher's downfall. Preach the same thing everywhere he goes, every time. Never gets anything for himself. The best preaching I ever do is the kind of preaching where God gets in the tub with me and lets me know something he wants me to know. And then I go share it with people and just tell them how God told it to me. And they say, I think I'll get in on that too. He'll touch you again, and He'll help you, and He'll restore. Now, how many of you want restoring? How many of you want your joy back? I know you're singing in the choir, but is it haphazard? Did you know anything you do collectively, you can all, always do it and look good because you're with people that look good? But individually, what is God hearing and what is God feeling? Do you realize we are the only people 
that touch the emotions of God? Lost people don't. They touch his heart. They touch his affection. But who replenishes the heart of God in love? Who causes the heart of God to be elated with emotion? Tonight, he's getting a charge out of this meeting. And a drunkard, a gambler, a whoremonger, a fool is preaching? I reckon he is getting a charge. And and Satan is drinking Malak and Pepto-Bismol by the gallon because he lost me. He, he blinded me. He blinded me. And Jesus, out of his mouth, I was anointed. And I saw clearly. How about it? Would you get up out of your seat? We ain't going to sing. We ain't going to hide behind no book or get our pocketbook and coat and grab a... I had a man the other night grab the little old baby. He was under conviction so bad. I thought he was going to break the child half into leave the babies alone and join me down here for prayer. I want my shout back, preacher. Come on, come on. Just like popcorn. Just one or two of you. Come on. There you go. Come on. I want my joy. I'm not from here. I didn't ask. We didn't preach on where you're from tonight. You can get your joy back here. Why don't you come? You can get your shout back. You can get your enthusiasm. Lord, touch me again. Touch me again. Touch me. Oh, he touched him the first time. He saw men or tree, trees like men walking. Huh. But he touched him again. <laughs> Woo! Yeah, it's about time some of us just decided to get loose. And let God have His way in our touch again. Holy Spirit, thank you for preaching through me tonight. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know what I was going to do. But I can walk out of here tonight and say, I believe I fulfilled the very will of God. Somebody tonight in this place who is as dead as four o'clock, cold as a a mother-in-law's kiss. God, I believe with all my heart they're in this place tonight in need of a warm touch from heaven. I believe there's somebody here tonight needs for heaven to come down and glory fill their soul. I believe it. And I ask you in Jesus' name, let it happen. To the glory of God tonight, touch this church again in the power of the Holy Ghost. And I'll give you glory and praise for what you do. Everybody that's not at the altar, those that are at the altar, stay. Everybody else, stand, please. All over the building. We'll be dismissed in a moment.